your mind. Look at that fish! What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Smalley Talk podcast. This is your host, Chris the Sandstorm Vaughn. Kind of a special episode here. We've got uh, Josh is off gallivanting. I don't. I honestly don't know what he's doing. He uh, was featured in a very, I don't know, sort of. It was a commercial for Central Indian Orthopedics. I think he's officially a SAG. Um, He's got a SAG card. He's on the bigger and better acting gigs. Uh, To be truthful, he doesn't even fish. Uh, Frankly, he's just an actor that I found on Craigslist, Men Seeking Men. And I had him sort of stand in as sort of somebody that co-hosted this podcast with me. But to to be frank with you listeners, it's complete garbage. I've never been fishing with him, and I'm sure he doesn't fish on his free time. He's probably off, you know, protesting the destruction of a tree or, you know, I, I don't know, cultivating his organic coffee beans or something. I don't know what he does, to be to be honest. But anyways, very special episode. Uh, we've got, we're in Studio B uh, for basement, the basement of my house. Uh, my brother's here, Jeremiah. Uh, so... Welcome to the Smalley Talk, Jeremiah. Thanks for having me. Uh, you can throw out a nickname if you would like. Well, I was going to... You've got many. It's a man of many names. Uh, he's been known as Sid Vicious. Uh, he's been known as Riz, the Rizzo, the Rizzy. Uh, he's been known Big as... Nasty. Huh? Big Nasty. Big, na- <laughs> Big Nasty by one person. <laughs> uh, he's been known as uh, Dewdrop. He's been known as Goosey. He's been known as Dewboy. <laughs> Boy. He's got a he's got a few few little nicknames going, but uh-huh. uh, you know we'll we'll just stick with Jeremiah. How about okay. that? That's that's fine. Oh, Maya the Bee. That was another one. Uh, <laughs> never. <heard of> that. <laughs> it's been, it's been called Little Dick Energy. Uh, <laughs> that, that has been said. That was your rapper name. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But anyways, so we're in, uh, like I said, studio basement. I like what you've done with it. Yeah, it's it's nice. Um, it's an unfinished. Well, it's like a partially finished basement because it's got drywall. Uh, it's got like this. Like they finished. The walls and the ceiling, but then they just sort of gave up before they got to the floor. We're just gonna sell. <laughs> yeah, it was like ah, you know, we we can we there. It's a spider haven, I'll tell you that. My wife is scared to death to even be down here, so this is like my little masturbation chamber. It's got a little spidey vibe to it. It's got a real spidey vibe. Uh, she killed. I I killed a brown recluse. I went way overkill on it too. I emptied like a full uh, wasp and hornet killer. On it, I mean, I don't mess around when it comes to the recluses because they're very sneaky. They'll they are. S- that's why they call them recluses. They'll sneak up and they'll get you. And I'm not, I'm not one to get got. I get, <laughs> I get get. I don't get got. So, anyways, we're down here in the basement. Uh, we thought we'd do a little episode on uh, fall fly fishing since, <coughs> since the uh, short stick. Uh, you know, member of the podcast is gone, so we figured we'd do a little, little long rod special. Like, can we just say that this is just going to be about like true fishing, right? True fishing, it's a fishing podcast. This is, this is the fishing podcast, the fishing podcast. Yeah, and and I'm going to tell you right right now that uh, when I told my butler we were doing a fly fishing podcast, yeah, I had him set out the fine china. You're talking about Francisco? Yeah. I mean, I'm not... When Josh comes over to talk about conventional fishing, you know, we, we use paper cups, plastic cups. Um, you know, we don't bring out the fine china because it's obviously just a sort of Neanderthal approach to fishing. But now we got the highbrow boys in the house. That's right. We're talking long rods. Long rods. We're talking buggy whips. Buggy whips. We're talking... My kids are upstairs dropping marbles on the ground as we're recording this podcast, apparently. But but anyway, so we want to do an episode about 
uh, fly fishing. Well, I guess generally there are a lot of principles that we're going to be talking about can be uh, applied to conventional fishing as well. But we're specifically going to be talking about wading for smallmouth in low clear water and especially fall time smallmouth. Um, you know, how to, how to target them, where to find them, when you can, ex- where you can expect to find them, uh, times of day, all that type of stuff. Um, so that's kind of the general plan for the, for the episode. But first, uh, we've been out a few times since we recorded our last episode. I think the last episode that we, re- we put out was the live episode at Bronze Fest. So, you know, we've been out fishing a few times, um, Last weekend, we did a, a float on Sugar Creek down in the Crawfordsville area, and uh, it was okay, wouldn't you say? Yeah, pretty shallow. Yeah, it's pretty shallow. Uh, it was not a lot of, I mean, I think that kind of the um, recreational paddler season is over. <laughs> so we thought. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I mean, honestly, the, the canoe liveries that are still running on Sugar Creek it's like criminal. I mean, they're fraudulent. It is. And, and they always save the, the loudest and most frolicky <laughs> for the end of the year paddle trips, it seems. Yeah, they're like really soaking in the last little yeah. couple warm days. Ah, like screaming. Just, so fun. I mean, they went full like full like banshee paddler to catch up to us and then they went like lazy river (laughs) they slowed (laughs) up they lazy rivered it the whole time once they got in front of us so so that was nice um but you know i mean we got on an okay bite i'd say i mean it was um you know we found them on terrestrials early uh and then probably like in the last hour and a half we went to a um we went to a uh, kind of like a small crayfish pattern, like a little orange uh, crayfish pattern. Like a fire and, orange. Yeah, yeah. It was actually the one that uh, Tim Towery tied in uh, from the Ozarks. But uh, showed I showed out. Yeah, showed out is the best fly tire in the Ozarks. And uh, and and oh, by the way, I have to clarify something too. You know, I won. I won that fly in a casting contest. Uh, there were some numbers discussed about my casting at Bronze Fest. Yeah, yeah, I've seen this guy cast. Yeah, eight, I've seen him back cast 80, 80 or ninety. Yeah. Right. Well, I mean, to be frank with you, the I did my my official cast contest, and I was a little hungover, a little feeling it. I walked up, and I honestly didn't even know it was a real contest. But I, you know, I casted like seventy two or something, and he says, "That's your official." And I was like, what, official what? But anyways, I won I won a fly from Tim because I casted 85 feet, I think, uh, at the unofficial casting contest. But anyways, it's the one that he tied for us. We ended up doing really well on it. So uh, just a really small, like, um, subtle presentation. I mean, it, the fly is probably, what, three inches long maybe? Yeah, it's pretty little. Very little sink. Slim profile. It sunk super fast, uh, but the water is so low and clear that we could see. I mean, it was still sight fishing. I mean, you yeah. could still see it the whole time. But, but anyways, I mean, we ended up. I think we caught somewhere around forty on the day. A little bit under forty. Thirty-five, I think. Yeah, thirty-five. Um, and it was, you know, it was okay. We did, we did okay. It wasn't anything to write home about. I will tell you this: when I got down to the end. You know, we did a taxi back to the um, to the start point, and I've ridden that on a bike before, and it took twenty five minutes in a cab. Yeah, thought you were murdered, <laughs> dude. I, I mean, it it took forever. It kind of made me like think, like, my gosh, I've done this on a bike before. This had to have taken like an hour and a half. The good news was I got to help a lot of canoers drag up their canoes. Yeah, they were asking you. While em- I waited, employee questions, right? Yeah, hey, do I drag my canoe up here? Like right. I don't work here, but yeah. uh, I can't help. So you just like sort of punched holes in their kayaks. <clears throat> of course, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, anyway, uh, so real uh, quick, back to that casting. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Did they let Josh Shrinko like into that casting contest? He did. I don't think he did well. Bait cast? Did he throw a bait cast? <laughs> he did win the pitching contest. Really? 
Yeah, which, you know... I thought he, he was more of a receiver. <laughs> yeah, he is. <laughs> oh, that's good. But but anyways, he, he did win the pitching contest, and I, you know, I don't like to give him credit, but he did give away like a $500 rod and reel combo to a kid that was standing there. So That's really cool. Yeah, I mean, it was all right, I guess. I mean, the, I don't know. The, the kid, you know, he was chubby, and I don't think he... You know, I don't think he's probably going to use it for the right reasons. He said he was. He said he was going to try and, uh, you know, snag some salmon with it. I think. <laughs> but Josh, you know, that's that's just Josh. Sounds he's, like a guy I want to fish. With. <laughs> no, he wasn't really chubby. I don't think. But but Josh gave him. You know, he gave this kid a five hundred some dollar rod and reel combo, which I thought was very nice. And I think the kid. I wasn't there. I don't even know who he gave it to. I wasn't around. Um, but. I think they were very appreciative. It was pretty, pretty classy move. Very classy move of him, um, you know, to give to give that stuff away to a kid, you know. That, but that's what this podcast is about, baby. You know, it's if anybody's listened to more than one episode, they know right. how caring and how yeah. just kind hearted you what guys this, are. That's what this podcast. This cast is about changing lives. Dude. It is. It's about it's about the cultural revolution. It's about making the world a fishier place. That's good. Yeah. That's good. That's what we're trying. That's the goal that we've got here. I mean, you know, we're we're all about inspiring that next generation. I mean, Derek Burton, you know, frequent guest on the podcast is, is all about, you know, soliciting to children on the internet to get them to meet up and go fishing with him. Josh yeah. is all about, you know, giving gifts to children to win their favor the James River trip honestly just felt like we were in a confessional with DB the whole time. <laughs> Dude, I love Derek. We heard that little squeaky fart. <laughs> oh, do we even talk about that yeah, on the we, podcast? Uh, I think you've talked about it. it oh, it, my gosh. It's something that cannot not be talked about. Dude, he's like a unicorn. That fart that he's got. It's amazing. They need to, they need to rec- like, that needs to go in the Smithsonian. High tenor. He's got, yeah, I mean, honestly, it's, out, it's, out, it's outrageous. Love yeah. that guy. But anyways, it was nice of Josh to give, you know, that stuff away. But no, he did not do well in the fly casting contest. But he did try. And okay. I will say this for him. He's, he's caught a bonefish on the fly rod. He, he doesn't want that known, I don't think. But in, the, in his past, he has caught a bonefish. Yeah. But um, anyway, yeah. so we're kind of getting to the time of the year when... I mean, it's almost, the water is almost always, at least around here where we're at, the water is almost always gin clear, very low, very, very weightable. Um, almost all the water around here is weightable. Of course, there's sections of White River and sections of rivers that are going to be impassable. But, I mean, everything is so low, so clear, and... uh you know, we just thought we'd do a, a little quick episode about what kind of flies we're using this time of year, what what we're finding them on, and also just some general tips about, you know, ways to approach uh, these spots so that you're maximizing your potential for big fish. So probably just generally, we'll start off in, in just general uh, speak here. So probably around like the third week of October, you'll start to notice that the spread out sort of pattern that fish are in during the summer kind of starts to change a little bit. So instead of having fish spread out over 90% of the river, you'll start to see them sort of start to consolidate into that slower, deeper, um, you know, sort of protected, those protected areas, especially as the mornings really start to chill up You know, usually around here, that's around like the third week of October, you know, uh, the fish will start migrating to those deeper, slower spots that are kind of out of current that they can uh, sort of conserve their energy and they'll start kind of gorging themselves a little bit as well. So they'll really concentrate on like a bait fish pattern. Of course, they'll eat crawfish as well. Um, But, you know, they'll really start gorging themselves, getting fattened up for the winter uh, fall, like spring, uh, is one of the better times of the year to target big fish. But, you know, a lot of people don't find success in the fall because uh, the the fish are in, you know, very clear water. It's difficult to get to them. 
because you know your 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 kayak's scraping the bottom. You know the water is super clear, so you have to be very subtle with the fish. Generally, you have to make super long casts um, and stuff like that. So, um, so tip number one is in the fall time whenever you're whenever you're waiting, uh, wait upstream. You know, waiting downstream in the fall is a death sentence. Um, you know, it's it, you're not gonna sneak up on a 20 inch smallmouth waiting downstream in the fall. Yeah, we chose to go out in the drift boat on a a little creek that was flowing at what, 20 CFS? Yeah, probably. 25 CFS, and we knew it was going to be a pain in the butt, but we wanted to fish downstream, so we took the drift out. Yeah. Because waiting downstream this time of year is, yeah, I mean, you're just asking for a miserable day. Yeah, I mean, the it you get into these situations where the water is so low and so clear. When you wade downstream, all you're doing is is kicking up sediment. You're kicking up, you know, the dirt, the sand, everything that's settled to the bottom of the river while it's getting lower and lower and not flooding. You're kicking up. So the big fish see a cloud of sediment coming towards them and they're just not going to eat. I mean, that's, that's, you know, telltale predator in the water coming after him. So, you know, when, it, when you start silting out a hole, you start kicking dirt downstream, you know, big fish, you know, they're o- almost always pointed upstream, nose into the current. You know, they're going to see a cloud of dirt coming at them. They're just not going to eat. So that's tip one. You're chasing your silt line at that point. Right. Not smallmouth. Right, because you're trying to stay ahead of your silt, stay and ahead of very long casts all day, trying to stay in front of your silt line, and right. you can't focus on actually fishing. See, and that's the other thing. Like I said, around the third week of October, the fish will start moving into, at least around here. Again, that's around here, but the fish will start moving into deeper water. So again, you know, whenever you're uh, you're trying to make longer casts, but you're in deeper water. So it's tougher, it's even tougher to sneak up on them whenever the water's got a little bit of depth, but it's still clear because every little ripple in the water disturbs the vertical line of a, of a smallmouth bass and a big spooky 20 inch smallmouth bass holding in three to four foot of water. You know, you've got to get relatively close to them with a fly rod, you know, within 70, you know, 60 to 70 feet generally, even for good fly casters. Uh, and then at that point, you're kind of casting blind. But, you know, it, it's just very, very tricky to get close to a smallmouth when you're wading downstream. So uh, the best practice is to wade upstream if you're going to wade. And uh, best practice number two is to float. But again, you know, the water is very, very low. So it's difficult to float sometimes. But best practice one, wade upstream. Best practice two, float. Um, and then just sort of be cognizant of the fact that around the third week of October, the fish are going to start migrating from those spread out summer, you know, fast flow patterns into sort of a deeper, you know, top and bottom of the wintering hole type position. So, you know, those are the way, those are the areas and the method by which you should be kind of targeting false smallmouth bass. Um, tip number three uh, is get comfortable making long casts because again, you know, the water is so clear that, you know, making a long cast is critical because, you know, generally around this time of year, whenever the, especially whenever they start moving into the wintering holes, there's always a school of rough fish, you know, that the, that the smallmouth will be kind of mixed into. So there'll be a school of carp or suckers or, or something like that. That Which the f- we've been seeing a lot lately. Okay. Yeah, the- I mean, I don't know how many fish we've caught in the past three, four times out, where it's, you know, you're running a a streamer through a a group of fish, and then all of a sudden, you just get absolutely slammed by a fish out of the group that you weren't expecting to be there. Yeah. So which is how I lost that big one. Few back, <laughs> yeah, twenty incher, but yeah, I mean that's the thing is you know as the water drops, you know the fish become naturally more and more concentrated. 
So when you've got a giant school, you know, the, the fish naturally in these skinnier bodies of water kind of are all just grouped together because that's where the water holds a little bit of depth. There's a little bit of cover on the bottom and they just sort of naturally migrate together. So making long casts is critical, not necessarily because the smallmouth, but because there are 3,000 eyes in these areas from all the fish that are kind of concentrated in this area. If you start spooking up a bunch of rough fish because you're wading towards the smallmouth or you're floating, you know, really close to where the smallmouth are holding, you know, it's less likely that that alpha smallmouth in that spot is going to come up and eat. So if you see a spot, if you've ident if you identify a spot that you think, okay, well, that's got some smally speed water, I know there's good cover there, whatever, make the long cast, make the 60, 70. And if you're with conventional gear, make the 80 foot cast, because if you can make that cast into that spot before you, before you spook out the rough fish, before you spook out the carp, uh, that's going to be your best chance of picking up that alpha fish because they're not going to be on high alert. You know, they're going to be, they're going to realize because these carp and these rough fish all eat generally the same thing that smallmouth eat. So they've got a lot of competition in, for food in these spots and nothing has really disturbed all the, you know, it's kind of like a, like on the African sort of uh, plains, you know, you see uh, wildebeest and zebras kind of in a giant herd and they kind of all generally keep their eyes out for the, for the lions, you know, that's, that's the same concept here. So you've got a large group of eyes, a large group of fish, and if one, you know, if one group of them spooks, you can expect that the smallmouth bass are going to be on high alert as well. So, <coughs> yeah. so that's, you know, tip number three, make the long cast, um, you know, fan at, fan across an area, 80, you know, 60, 70, 80 feet, um, you know, to get those fish. So, uh, you know, tip number four, uh, is a subtle presentation. So, Mine, why don't you kind of talk about some of the flies that we find success on in the fall? So, I think our go-to fly for a bait fish pattern is the feathered game changer. Right. Um, we typically throw white, uh, white, some variation with white, um, but white seems to be the, the pattern when it's this clear. Uh, if it, if the water's a little bit muddied up, we might switch to like a darker feather game changer, but for the most part, we're throwing white and that's a two hook game changer. It's not the single hook game changer. So it's, you know, anywhere between three and a half to five inches long and a lot of articulation. Um, but, uh, the good thing about fishing with that fly and in, in particular is that you can visually pick that fly up and especially even when you're waiting, it's a, a very easy fly to pick up when you're stripping it through the water or um, whatever your method is of fishing the, the game changer. Uh, we do this strip strip pause a lot of the times or we, we will dead drift them for, you know, a good section of the drift and then give it some strips at the end. But, but for the most part, those big fish, you know, they're so picky with what they want to eat. And if you pick up on that bait fish pattern early on, I mean, you'll have excellent success throughout the day uh, with, with the game changer. Yeah. Um, those, those big fish really target in on that, that bigger profile. And I mean, you cannot beat the action of, of the game changer. So that's, that's probably my go-to. I think that's probably your go-to as well. Yeah. I mean, this time of year, like this time, like early fall, I definitely prefer to try and go with like a fat Albert or a hopper, you know, I tried that terrestrial bite oh, yeah. because, you know, and I, so I'll switch over to like a 12 foot leader and I'll fish, you know, uh, a terrestrial and, uh, you know, that I find a lot of success doing that, but like definitely bait fish. I mean, they're trying to fatten up for the winter. So those high nutrition, uh, you know, types patterns are really, really good, really effective. So, you know, game changer, something small. So in the fall, I always, I always downsize my flies. So instead of going with that five to seven inch game changer, we'll go to like a three to five. 
we'll go to mini changer. Yeah, mini changer or you know, which are kind of getting popular now, like the finesse changer or whatever. But but you know, we'll we'll downsize our fly, go to all natural colors. So we'll go to like a instead of like a bright, you know, sort of flashy pattern, we'll go to less flash. Like the forest green on white. Yeah, or like if we're fishing a popper, it'll be like the green. Like in the morning, you know, we'll maybe start with the popper and we'll have like the, you know, the green size six instead of like a black size four. So, you know, you go to a more natural color, you downsize uh, because they're just really spooky in this really, really clear water. And that helps with your presentation as well. Yeah. I mean, it's a softer presentation. Right. And the good thing about the popper is <clears throat> the boogle bugs we use, I mean, you can dead drift them just like you can in the terrestrial. And a lot of the times, it you'll have just as much success on the popper. Um, right. And I know a lot of guys that use that same technique. They don't even throw terrestrials. They'll just dead drift the popper. But the terrestrial is something to behold whenever you get a, a top water just sip on that terrestrial. It is, it's yeah. pretty cool. I mean, that's... So you're right. I mean, but what I kind of... What we, you know, what we use is we use the... We'll dead drift poppers a lot of times to see if they're on a terrestrial bite. Right, and then make the switch. And then make the switch. So instead of pop, you know, and, and, and that's another thing is in the fall time, if you're fishing top water with, you know, like like popper, you know, don't pop it. If yeah. you slide it. I mean, you want it barely popping. Because yeah. if, you pop, if you're doing a pop, 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 you're spooking, you're spooking good fish. You just want to glide it. You just want to kind of move the legs. I mean, barely move that popper because, you know, if you're really giving it a pop, like that bubbly pop that you get with like, yeah, like that type of noise, like a bloop. If you're doing that, you're messing up. I mean, they're not going to eat it. You're spooking fish. I mean, and, and generally the water is clear enough where you're seeing it happen too and you keep doing it. But, but you know, try and slide it across the top. Try really subtle dead drift the popper and if they're coming up and eating it while you're dead drifting it for 15 to 20 seconds switch over to a a big beetle pattern switch over to a a hopper pattern you know but generally speaking i mean if you're fishing top water this time of year i'm i'm going small popper i'm going a hopper or i'm going a fat albert or like a beetle pattern um and but, the same thing on those terrestrials, you tend to lean more towards like the earthy colors. The, I do, yeah. The flat brown or light tan, stuff like that. Um, I do, absolutely. Seems, seems to, to work. I mean, just last week we were throwing terrestrials and, you know, we, we had several awesome takes on those things. But It is fun. I mean, they... It's a window, you know. We had a, a window where it was happening and... It just all of a sudden shut off, and I think, you know, this time the weather changing and shifting weather pat weather patterns, it's they're dropping or they're rising. It's it's hard to keep up with their patterns this time of year. Right, but as as far as streamers go, uh, you know, like Maya said, the game changer for sure is still one that we use a lot. We just kind of you know use the shorter, less flashy version. Um, we still, uh, you know, we use. You know, sometimes I'll, I I do use like a clouser this time of year just because it's a more subtle, you know, more subtle. But I'll put it on like floating line and I'll, you know, use, you know, like a heavier tippet so it doesn't sink as fast and all, you know, stuff like that. But, you know, subtle presentation. But but the other thing is the low water cray or like a near enough cray. I mean, not not super big flies, but like those little tiny crayfish patterns. Because, you know, this technical fishing is made a lot more difficult whenever you've got clear skies, too. So that's another, like, kind of undervalued thing. You know, this time of year, if you've got cloud cover, you're going to have a much better day than when the sun is out and you got bluebird skies. Bluebird skies this time of year are very technical, difficult fishing conditions for fly fishermen. They say bluebird skies makes makes me cry. So. <laughs> Is that right? Yeah, that's I like a that. saying. Yeah. I like that saying. Bluebird can use it. Bluebird skies makes me cry. So, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, if you got bluebird skies, like you need that's that doubly sort of applies, like the long casts. 
like the being extra, extra sneaky, like the soft, soft presentation. Yeah. And that's, you don't want it to, you don't want it to hammer down on the water. You know, you want to make a nice, soft, long cast. Uh, and you know, the other thing is like, you know, in the fall time, when, especially when you're fishing like terrestrials or even if you're fishing like a streamer pattern or whatever, you got to realize that there's almost unlimited visibility in the water. So yes, it is important that you make an accurate cast that gets to where the fish can see it, but you don't have to pop it right on their nose. I mean, you, a fish, and I, we saw this several times last Saturday, these fish will move, you know, eight, 10, you know, 15 feet for a fly. Oh yeah. So, you know, you want it to be an accurate cast. I mean, I, ideally you're not casting 15 feet away from the, from the fish that you think is there, but you know, you, you don't need to splash it right down on top of them. Cause I'm telling you, if, if you're fishing for big smallmouth, they're going to be spooky. Yeah. So you drop a fly, any type of fly, even a small little terrestrial right on top of an 18 to 20 inch smallmouth, you've spooked him. You'll be able to see him swimming through the, the shallow water away from you. <laughs> You'll see him waking away from you with... I mean, like that cat, like you were talking about last week, I remember that's that one specific fish, you threw, you know, probably 12, 13 feet to the left of him to a spot you thought would hold the fish, and 12 feet away, a smallmouth shot out from underneath of a rock, and Chris literally said, I'm on the, uh, you know, I'm rowing, and Chris says... Okay, here he comes. Here he comes. He's coming. Right here, here he comes. And it literally was a five-second swim for this fish before he just sucked down your terrestrial. So, yeah, like you said, I mean, you don't have to put it right on him. I mean, yeah. So tip, so tip one is wait upstream or float. What was tip two? I don't know. Whatever. So tip, we're on tip five. So tip five, this is, this is the most frustrating thing for fishing in the fall with a fly rod. Hey, can I ask you yeah. real quick? Can you tell, just in case there is like a brand new fly fisherman, yeah. what's the proper way to get your popper out of the water or a terrestrial out of the water without disturbing yeah. the spot? That's okay, a, that's I think that's one. important. Yeah, so you might notice if you're new to fly fishing that when you go to recast... So you kind of worked your popper or you worked your terrestrial through a spot and you're going to recast, you know, you're, you've, uh, you go to lift it up out of the water and you notice that it makes the big whoop noise. It makes the big pop. It's not good. It's not good. <laughs> it's not ideal. Uh, it, you know, here's how you avoid that. You get a running start at it. So you kind of, you know, you start pulling the rod back slowly. You get the fly to kind of. Uh, start sliding across the surface, and then you go to cast. So you kind of pull your rod tip back, and you'll see the, the popper start to slide towards you. And then once the popper starts to slide towards you, then you pull back and start to cast. Uh, yeah. That kind of what that does is it pushes the popper's nose under the water, and it allows you to pull back and cast quietly. Because if you're pulling, if you just pull straight back. From dead still to pulling back to cast, you're going to hear that giant pop, and and that's that's not good. No, so, because you can cast. I mean, I've casted at spots multiple times and did a sneaky exit with my fly, went right back to the same spot, and boom, fish right there. Yeah, I mean it. It doesn't happen all the time, but but it will really. If you it know, took a me a while to learn that. Uh, yeah, I mean, just start slowly. You know, whenever you're ready to recast. Slowly pull your rod backwards, slide the popper towards you, and then go to cast. And that'll that'll prevent that that loud noise. And the and the same applies to a, you know, to a uh, terrestrial because you can get that pop on a gurgler or, t or terrestrial as as well. Sorry, so. I just noticed a lot of your listeners that post about fly fishing are brand new. Yeah, so I think that's definitely no. a helpful tip for sure. So, yeah, so. Um, Okay, so the the other tip that we've got here is, uh, you know, it's going to sound a little counterintuitive, uh, but hot tip, hot. This is a hot tip. So uh, fall time, one of the most frustrating things about fishing uh, 
for smallmouth is the leaves oh my God. on top of the surface, dude. <laughs> oh. Jeremiah's just, like, toes just curled. He's sad dude. about it. He didn't even think about it. <laughs> soaking wet, I would burn them with a lighter. <laughs> he's a uh, he's sad dog and just even thinking that we're at that time of year. But I mean, literally, I, every time I went to take my fly out of the water last week, I was, like, both hooks on my right. game changer were snagging leaves. So here's how you avoid it. Uh, you get, (laughs) well, I mean, that was a little, that was a little different because there weren't that many leaves, but, but, uh, whenever you got a heavy set of leaves on the, on the top of the water and you want to fly fish still just put on an intermediate line. That's all you got to do because the leaves are all on the surface. And once that terrestrial line gets one inch below the surface and your fly is one inch below the surface, the leaf problem is obviated. So... Uh, you know, to a certain extent. I mean, you're still going to have leaves, but, you know, go to a, go to an intermediate line uh, and, you know, g- let it sink for a second. So, before, you know, instead of working it right away, let the line sink, let your fly sink, get below the surface, uh, and then start and then start working your fly back to you. Um, so that's you know, that's one way to avoid a lot of frustration on the water. Cause I've been out on the water before, like on a wade and I only had floating line and dude, it is miserable. Yeah. Here in about a month. Yeah. It's going to be, it's rough. And <laughs> you might gonna, as well I'm gonna not have a freaking panic attack <laughs> when I step in the water and you might as well not even try and fish top water. Cause I mean, it's done. Yeah. I mean, Unless you're like mousing, and you can just scoot them leaves right out of the way. Well, so, I mean, conventional guys do it all the time, but it's tough with a fly rod to still topwater fish whenever there's leaves on the water. So what, what you can do if you still really want to topwater fish is you can go to a um, Todd's Wiggle Minnow and just run it on intermediate line. So if you go to a Todd's Wiggle Minnow, run it on intermediate line, the fly is going to stay far enough below the surface where you can still effectively fish top water. You're still going to get those wakes. You're still going to get the top water takes. Um, or you can fish like a swimming frog, you know, which will stay right below the surface. And you don't have to worry so much about, uh, you know, you don't have to worry so much about the leaves. So, which brings me to my next little, little hot tip. So this is something that we've kind of discovered over the years and years and years of, of being out there and, and reading. And, you know, there's plenty of, this isn't like an original thought, but, you know, just reading and sort of researching uh, why things happen the way they do this time of year. Um, you'll find that on rivers that have a strong population of frogs, the topwater bite will stay active a lot longer. longer. Yeah. So, uh, you know, if you're still, if you got a hankering for a little, little top water action and you know that it's the end of October and you're not really sure if it's going to happen, uh, you know, f- figure out what rivers you remember seeing a ton of frogs on and go to that spot and try fishing with a frog or even any other top water and you're probably still going to find fish eating top water. What's the froggiest river in this this uh, Indiana state we live in? I would say probably probably Sugar Creek has got a strong population of frogs. I think uh cuz I remember going out there earlier this year and I saw just a tremendous amount of tadpoles. I mean like crazy amount. What about a uh... I know White River has a pretty strong population of frogs, at least on the south side. Yeah. Because obviously we grew up fishing the south side. Um, but tons of frogs. I mean... It's froggy. Everywhere. Yeah, it's, it's pretty froggy down there, too, I would it say. I, it, may, it may be stro- a stronger frog population than out at Sugar Creek. I mean, I'm not just, trying to take away from the frog population of Crawford, well, you know, Crawfordsville. I, I just remember, like... Last year, I, or two years ago, and last year, both, I caught fish on top water in November. So, um, and that's just because they're, and literally one of them had a frog in its mouth. That's a good sign they're eating frogs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's a good sign they're <laughs> eating frogs. Yeah, but I mean, uh, you know, that was, I mean, nobody, you know, would have thought November I'd still be catching top water fish. But, but yeah, um, so those are kind of, 
those are kind of the uh, main tips that I had in mind. You got any anything else in mind? No, I just think f- fall fishing is so revolved around the weather. Right. It's, you know, if if the, the weather for one week is warm, like considerably warmer than it is the week after, those fish are going to be, you know, in the shallower water. They're, they're going to be searching. Your top water is going to be more on fire. Right. Top, if the temp, temperature drops, it gets uh, significantly colder. They're going to be moving into those deeper holes. So you're going to have to switch up your strategy. So I think a good benchmark for fall fishing would probably be finding those areas that the, the smallmouth have easy access to deep water and easy access to get back into the shallows. So you want to find those shelfy areas where you know there's drop-offs to where the fish can escape into those deeper areas. And um, I think that's where you're going to find your successes, around those drop-offs where you know there's good substrate. And you'll have a shot, I think, at some uh, pretty nice smallmouth if you do that. Yeah, man. I mean, for sure, this is the time of year, like I said, much like early April and kind of the pre-spawn time. You know, this is the time of year where the the people that you that know what they're doing have shots at twenty plus inch fish, and the people that don't know what they're doing and don't listen to this podcast are people that are going to have a lot of very frustrating, you know, five, six, seven fish days. So, you know, the key is to get out there and try a lot of different things. But you know, if you focus on the five, six things that we talked about. You know, I, I mean, I think that, uh, you know, you'll find, you'll find a lot of success. So, yeah, I think, uh, too, like you get that feeling like down deep in your plums, you know, (laughs) that in fall time, it's like, even though your numbers might not be where you want them to be at any moment, that big dog is just hunting just swirling around, just waiting. He's nose to the ground. He's predator mode. He's trying to just throw on some lbs for the winter time he's ready he's hungry they're very hungies i mean they're super super hungies but you know i've been seeing some big some big fish already start coming out of like western michigan like they're already you know on the lower peninsula they're already starting to like put on the feed bag get ready to go um you know and it's not a super long window that's the other thing is like I feel like in the springtime we have a longer, and I think it's because the weather is a little bit more tumultuous, but like in the fall time, the window for like the fall feed bag and like before they just sort of move into the wintering pattern, it's really not that long of a window. No. I mean, it's like, you know, four weeks start to finish. Yeah, let's say three, four, three so, and a half, four weeks at, at, yeah, that's pretty, I would say that's pretty consistent timeline. Yeah, so I mean... It's really not that long of a time, but it's it's a good time. I mean, it's, you know, and the other thing is uh, it's just cold enough to where there's not going to be recreational people out on the water. Yeah. This sort of douchebag, like, you know, I fish like only in the summertime for smallmouth guys are gone. Uh, people are deer hunting. A lot of guys, you know, that, that fly fish and a lot of guys that smallmouth fish, you know, they also deer hunt. And we, we do a little bit of that as well. But, I mean... So the water is a lot more open. There's a lot lot fewer people out there. It's a lot less pressured. Um, and, you know, it's just cold enough to where there's there's less people on the water. I mean, you've got it basically to yourself. And I always, I don't know, I always think it's fun too, like the the thought of people sitting up in a tree stand while I'm out, like chasing smallmouth. Yeah. I don't, I don't know why, but I find that to be very enjoyable. We've uh, definitely walked by some hunters before. Ruined some sure. mornings. Yeah. Ruined some mornings, yeah. They're not too happy about that. <laughs> no. And that's, yeah, okay, there's, there's when another. When you hear the crisp on. <laughs> <laughs> down the there's, river. There's another little tip for you. Uh, you might want to start, you might want to carry a gun with you when you're out on the yeah. river. And uh, wear maybe like a blaze orange I beanie. Do, I do wear a blaze orange beanie. I know, I during, do too. During guns, especially during gun season, but. Probably wouldn't be because we're out there waiting in December. We're out January, February, February. I mean, so uh, you know, be safe for sure. But I always carry during deer season and during turkey season whenever I go out on the water. Deer with your handgun. 
Yeah, I mean, that's what I do. I just gut shoot him. Nine mil. <laughs> I, sh- I just gut shoot the uh, smallmouth. Oh. Dude, yeah, let's get into oh, it. Oh, yeah, baby. Yeah, let's this get is, into This it. is a little, uh, this is a nice little uh, story. I, so I've been fishing for 25 years, and I've uh, never been asked for my fishing license by a CO. Uh, Jeremiah and I last weekend were out on Sugar Creek, and we get done, and Big Dick CO comes pulling in, baby. Chirp, chirp. His chirp. little tires just came in. Chirp, chirp. Stop. I mean, he Man. he was he was hot on our trail. He saw a couple sassy little di- couple sassy little daddies yeah. getting off the water. Uh, his mustache looked like he had just licked his fingertips and stroked through it. He had a very, fresh. a very Monopoly guy vibe. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's nailed it. Yeah. He, nailed he it. was, he was none too pleased when he got out of his car and, and asked to see our fishing licenses. And I said it was on my phone. He was none too pleased about that, which he is was, legal. He was staring our boat down so hard. I thought he was going to put an offer in on it. I mean, he literally, he did search through the boat, which I didn't say anything about. Looking the lo- for drugs. The lawyer in me was, which which were just in my system at that point. They were, <laughs> right, yeah. I keistered all my drugs before he pulled up. but, but like Way uh, before he pulled <laughs> up. Way, like shockingly early <laughs> into the day. Um, but anyways, he like pulled up and we. I was like, oh God, here it comes. And he started asking me, like, you know, fishing license and stuff. And I said, well, it's on my phone. So he immediately launched into this diatribe about how it's not reliable to have them on your phone and blah, 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 blah. And I was kind of like, all right, you'll bitch. I'll do whatever I want, blah, 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 blah. So I show him my fishing license, and he's like, okay, you got yours. And the whole time he, like, mentioned, like, five, maybe six times, like, you guys should really have paper licenses. And I was like, okay, okay, Just had okay. a few guys last week of phone didn't turn on. Yeah, so I'm like, okay, whatever, dude. So Jeremiah, I see him over there frantically looking through his phone. Turns out his wife had just moved all of his photos over to Google Photos the night before. Which you have to have internet right. to uh, see those photos. Photos. And we had no internet. So the whole time he's talking, I'm like blowing him off. I'm thinking this guy's just an old bitch. He doesn't know what he's talking about. Well, turns out he kind of did know what he, he was we, right. Jer- Jeremiah basically proved his point that having a paper license is a good idea because uh, we stood there for 45 minutes trying to get Jeremiah's license. We and didn't have service, nor did he. No, nor did he. So he followed us like a mile down the road. Eventually, he wrote Jeremiah a warning for not having his fishing license. I did have it, though. He I, did. He did. Yeah, he did have it. That's. I mean, he verified that he had it and and verified my truck. And, of course, the whole time, it's just very unpleasant. And he kept – he probably – how many times do you think he brought up the paper fishing license thing? Oh, man. He cuffed me. He threw me up against <laughs> the car. He told me, like, at least 50 times. Dude, that's just your privilege talking right there, dude. Yeah. He did not – yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, yeah. he... he uh, now he did. He mentioned it no less than, I mean, realistically, 25 times. I would say that's lowball. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he mentioned it a lot. Did you like how he asked at the beginning, uh, like, he, his interest in fishing at all? He's like, oh, how'd you guys do out there? Oh, yeah. pretty good. We caught a few. Okay, okay. fish Okay, license. you guys got your license? Yeah. Like, hey, don't act like you care yeah. about fishing, bro. I mean, that's all these these homos, you know, that's all they really... I mean, this is me talking as an ex, ex uh, disgruntled <laughs> CEO. So I don't think anybody knows that. I don't. No. Think we've ever t- I don't think we've ever put that. It's out something I don't like talking about. No, nah. yeah. I mean the guy ultimately was fine. He was right. He was right. He was right. Ultimately, he was right. I mean, ultimately, he only wrote us a warning for not for are you a warning for failure to possess? But I'll take it. I don't know, dude. I, I wish mean, I, I would have c- just took took the warning right off the bat. Yeah. I, don't, I don't have I, it. Just write me a written warning. Right, because, I mean, it took 45 to 50 minutes to resolve the whole situation. The whole time, you know, people were driving by. It was right at the entrance to Shade State Park. People were driving by. I kept acting like I was cuffed. I was sitting on the ground with my arms underneath my butt. And I was videoing it the whole time. <laughs> I said, uh... Yeah, I said uh, I do not. <laughs> I do not consent to joinder <laughs> like those stupid videos that make no sense. Yeah. That, that makes no sense. But I kept uh, asking him to cite the uh, Indiana code for which he was stopping us. I kept saying I'm not going to answer your question. I kept asking like I need to speak to my lawyer. Right. And, um, my lawyer was present the whole time. I so. plead the fifth. I plead the fifth. I plead the fifth. 
But uh, Chris was coaching me the yes. whole conversation. He kept talking. I said, "Shh." <laughs> <laughs> but uh, anyways, yeah. I mean, that was pretty. That was pretty gay, to be honest. But first time though. First time. I, I, I will say I did get checked once uh, down on White Lick in Centerton. It's the only other time, and I was a mile and a half down the river. I was like 14 or 15, and he made me put my fishing pole down and walk all the way back to his vehicle uh, to pull my license up on his computer. Well, that was before the days of electronic, like probably before it was on your phone. Yeah, maybe. You probably had a flip phone back then. Yeah. But anyways, well, good times. Um, I'm going to read a couple of uh, iTunes reviews, Maya. In the meantime, why don't you... uh, why don't you just think a little bit about what, what's new in your box, bud, okay? Mm-hmm. All right, so I think since the last episode, I think we've gotten a couple of good reviews, a couple bad reviews. You know, we've got a couple four stars out there, got a couple. We got our first one star, which, you know, I don't know, dude. You know the reviews from the only podcast I've ever been on got, like, the worst reviews? Really? Yeah, the fly fishing draft. What do you mean it got the worst reviews? Oh, like people were saying like, oh, I was going to get into fly fishing, but you guys really let me down. <laughs> no, it did not. Oh, yeah, there's a review that says that, man. Shot straight to the heart, whoever you are. Dude, and you're I will so, find you. You're so full of it, dude. Look it up, man. I'm telling you. So new to fly fishing, I was thinking about getting into it, but it was a hard episode to listen to. Are you said. kidding me? No, oh, man. Dude, we got some haters out there, dude. They're just hating. Hatin', they 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 hate to see us. It's all these grungy freaking bench <laughs> guys. They hate us because they ain't us, dude. That's right. Um. So anyway, so what's new in your box, bud? Well, I got a few things. Um, I got a Umqua Feather Merchant, uh, baby boat box for the drifty. Nice. So buddy. we've been. What are we? Trip dogging now. We got triple box action in the yeah we in do. The float boat now. So we're tripped up in there. Yeah, we got three little boxes in there now. So that that's a new addition. Uh, my generous, loving brother uh, bought me a nice chest pack. Is it? It's an Umqua as yeah, well. Yeah. Uh, I forget what the actual name of that uh, system is. Do you do you know? Yeah, it's the um, Zero Sweep 500. The Zero Sweep. ZS500. Yeah. ZS it's got the uh, v- very uh, good storage chest right. pack. Yep. Uh, I-, I can fit my baby boat box in the chest pack portion of it. That's what I do, baby. And I got a uh, the backpack attachment. So I've got the, you know, anything I want to take out extra. My my handgun's usually in there and a few uh, few bigger items. that That's all back there, so... Love it. Uh, it makes wade fishing amazing, and it hooks has a good net attachment uh, point, so my magnetic net hangs right in the perfect position. So it's great. Yep. All right. Cool, man. All right. And so, I got a lot of new tying stuff too, but that's you know. Oh, you did. Probably not very exciting for people. So. All right. All right. Here we go. I uh, got a few. What's new in your box? Oh, what's new in my box? Um, well. I, I know really, you get offended when people don't ask you that. <laughs> no, I I don't really. Um, I guess the only the only really new stuff I had was uh, some some flies that uh, Tim uh, Towery tied down in the Ozarks. Uh, those were probably the only really really new things that I've got. Um, I did get some new um, neoprene socks too. So I just bought them off of Amazon, but I got some ones that are a little bit higher because the ones that I had were just were like they came right up to the top of my boot, but not quite. So I had like a little bit of a raw spot whenever I whenever I was waiting with them. So I bought some new ones that kind of go all the way above my boots, but like uh, higher than like as high as yeah, mine. like as high as yours. There so you so I got those, um, and I think that that's really about it. Oh, and I got a. Uh, Ah, that's it. That's it. That's all I got. But anyways, all right. So here are the here are the new reviews. Uh, this one says uh, from Wet Dreams thirty eight. Good name. Fantastic podcast. If you like to fish and laugh, this is your podcast. Josh and Chris seem like regular fishing buddies who can reel them in and will bust your balls while they're doing it. Highly recommend. Wet Dreams, or is that Josh's? Yeah. Do you have Wet Dreams? 
Uh, no, man. No? I think that Josh needs to be studied, dude, but... Was that seriously Josh's profile, though? Wet Dreams? No, I think it's somebody else. Wet Dreams 38. So he's definitely a Me Too guy. It's a 38 with... uh, He's a hashtag Me Too guy, right? (laughs) Oh, for sure. Hashtag Me Too. That that guy's definitely having wet dreams. Heck yeah, dude. All right, so V-Temp, he says, uh, high-level fishing discussion with middle school-level humor... All around the best fishing podcast I have found. Thanks, buddy. Uh, all right, so this is one. Uh, <laughs> this is from War of Ages Freak. Bucket list one. Shout out on Smalley Talk podcast. These guys are awesome. I watched them record at Bronze Fest 2K19 in Waynesville and have since been working my way through almost every episode. River fishing for smallmouth and specifically kayak and wade fishing is a fairly niche outdoor sport, so it's pretty freaking sweet to have an entertaining and educational podcast about it. I recommend this podcast for veterans and beginners alike. P.S. The double fluke rig does work, and you should give it a try. Uh, and his, I think this is maybe his Instagram handle, M-O underscore fishing underscore freak. Okay? I. And I, I, and then, uh, let's see, here's the last one. This is from Go, Go, Go. Good. I like this show. It's really funny. Always talking about crazy stuff. I'm seven. <laughs> <laughs> that is a good review. That is a hell of a review right there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's. I that seven-year-old listens to this podcast. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, My gosh. I mean, your parents are doing a poor job of raising you. If you're a seven-year-old, though, and you listen to this cast, you've got to have a sick sense of humor, dude. Hey, kid, I'm going to give you a little piece of advice right now. Right. Get a life, dude. Oh man! Well, I, I don't care. He's seven. I don't care. <laughs> he gave us a good review here, uh, but anyways, but thanks. hey, thanks everybody for listening uh, to the show. Anything else you want to say, buddy? No, man. Thanks for having me on. Um, I guess um, fishing this weekend. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, I'm I'm down. Um, I, I I have an idea of where I want to go to. So uh, maybe we can get a uh, maybe we can get this guy to launch the drone. Get a little drone footage. I know. I like how everybody like commented on that one photo I took of you. Like drone, nice. Got no, the don't drone. say it. Don't say it. <laughs> I got the drone out. Got the drone out. It was literally just at right at the takeout, and there was a bridge. So <laughs> it was I, aerial. I, thought, I thought to myself, "This is so stupid." I've got this five hundred dollar <laughs> drone in the boat, and the only picture that I took all day was just of me standing on the bridge, like, over where we were at. I was like, what a waste of money that was. But, but anyways, we need to get, get out, and maybe we can get Paul out for the for the day, too. But Who? Old Paul. Who <laughs> <laughs> is? Pappy, our dad. <laughs> oh, my God. Old Pappy. Hey, how bad? I felt sort of bad, uh, real quick, a little story. Uh, remember that kid that was fishing under the bridge? Yeah. Let take out. The Zebco, yeah, Zebco 33 guy. And I was like, hey, how you doing today out here, man? He's like, ah, oh, not biting. And I was like, all right, cool. And I, I, I feel bad, and this is how I know fly, fly rods are superior. And <laughs> okay. flies are superior to conventional. Right. Just snagging them. Left yeah, you did. Right. You caught like three or four right, right there. Right I probably the crushed that little guy's dream, but he needed to learn a hard lesson. <laughs> at, at, and you're the man to teach it to him. <laughs> I, he was seven. Uh, but uh, like I said, I mean, he so just, what's your name? Go, go, go. <laughs> no, kid, that was you, man. Oh, cool. Uh, no, but he just had to learn uh, the hard way. I bet you next time we run into that little guy, he's going to have a fly rod in his hand. Dude, he was sad dogging for sure. He's out just like wading around kicking. That was a rough little wade right there too. Uh, he was out kicking rocks. I just yeah. saw him head down, kicking rocks all the way down the road yeah. as he walked back to his car in defeat. Yeah, uh, Derek and I did that did that wade last year. Here's a little story for you. Derek and I did that exact wade, which was... We did half of it. So we put in at the halfway point and okay. wait and waited that last year. Okay. Got all the way to the end point and Derek forgot his car keys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we had to hitchhike uh with this father and son. And I don't even know why like I'm not like a racist at all, okay? But 
I thought at some point it would be kind of funny if I if I said like like oh man this is a little town I was like thank God we're all white and uh, you know like as a joke like making fun of like the rural setting not that anybody out there is racist or whatever but it was just kind of like a stupid thing to say and the dude up in the front seat goes I'm not white <laughs> he goes I'm black and I was like oh <laughs> you said that swear. Oh, Swear on no, my dude. life. He's like, well, I'm like... That's a rough dr- joke to make <laughs> as a hitchhiker. I know. Oh, hit- my god. We, we were hitchhiking, and I, I, was like, I was like, dude, I was like, I'm a little dark to be out in these parts. I was like, you know, because I'm like pale as shit. <laughs> but I was like, I'm a little dark to even be living, you know, out here. I was like, these people, like banjo music and, you know, all that stuff, like talking about how they're racist or whatever. And I was like, thank God we're all white or something like that. And the dude just like turned to me and like... I'm not white. And he still looked white. I was shocked. I was I was appalled that he was oh. he was like uh, He probably got out and they were like, "Gosh, that dude was rough." Yeah, they making I mean, that kind of a joke. And I I just looked at him. I didn't even I was so like blown away that I was just like, "Oh." <laughs> like and then it sounded worse cuz I didn't like, "Oh, good." <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what are you supposed to say to that? Like, "Oh." Uh, uh, yeah. That is uh it was bad. Dude. It was it 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 was not good. I mean, I re- think I recovered while I was kind of like, oh well, don't tell these people. Was DB with you? Derek was there. He he could he could vouch. Oh, but yeah. I was like, oh okay, well don't tell these people or something like that. I was like, oh, okay, see you later. But anyways, it was pretty funny. It was almost as funny as me getting like basically, like sort of, I don't know. I said some. I said that the little girl Greta Thornburg who made that climate speech yesterday. Did you watch that? I didn't. She's, she was from, like, Norway, and she gave a speech, a climate speech at the UN, which, you know, as as we've already established on this podcast, we are very pro-global warming yeah. on this podcast. Fact. We, 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 we do believe in climate change. We do believe that humans are contributing to the climate change, but we are just absolutely in favor of it. Right. I'm ready to for this. For I'm any- climate neutral. <laughs> oh, you're climate neutral? Yeah. I'm... I'm because it's a, my choice. I'm so. anti-climate. Yeah, <laughs> that's the that's Just a strong stance. I, I I have to. I'm either hot or cold, dude. I'm not lukewarm at all. That but anyways, is. we're very pro global warming as we've already established. We don't. <laughs> we I'm ready for Florida temperatures in in December here. Yeah, it's gonna happen. I hope so. Just wait. I know. I, I'm ready for saltwater fishing in Ohio. If the weather if for. the weather stays warm, the saltwater fish will come. How nice would it be to be to drive four hours to the beach? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, honestly, if Eastern White o- Sand Beaches of Ohio. <laughs> Cleveland, yeah, dude, that'd be sick. <laughs> that'd be great. <laughs> it'd be sick. I mean, if 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 honestly, I would sacrifice the whole Eastern Seaboard if I could drive four hours for tarpon. Baby tarpon. I don't care. Yeah, baby tarpon. Sure, but anyways. Uh, Greta Thornburg was making a climate speech, very Norwegian sounding. And I said, she sounded like a bond villain and turns out she has Asperger's and, and and, and turns out super liberal lawyers do not like to hear jokes made at the expense of a Norwegian with Asperger's. Hit close to home for them, or I mean, I think that they're they got strong Norwegian <laughs> ties. I think half their family is Norwegian Asperger, Asperger ridden folks. It's or a something. small population, but very large in his family, right? I mean, it, they really did not care for it, but that's how I felt. I mean, I've only felt that way twice in my life. One of which is when I accidentally said we were all white, and the guy clearly was not white when he turned around. I was like, I mean, he told me, and he still looked white. But you could tell there's something a little off about him. Like there's something like like this guy might be a little black. He's one, he had like a Pete Davidson face. Like he could have passed for everything Ooh. from black to like Greek. <laughs> Don't use black and face in the same sense. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you know what I'm saying? Like very like you're whoa 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 shit. Oh, dude, I'm I'm buried. Yeah. But anyways, I, I mean. He had one of those faces that he could have passed for everything from, like, Italian to black. You know what I'm saying? Like, like what's that girl from The Office, the lady from The uh, Office? Oh, yeah, I know you're talking about. She's, yeah. like, I can't tell if she's black or, like, yeah, my Rudolph's the same way. Yeah, that's a good Can't one. tell if they're, like, black or Italian, whatever. So, 
Anyways, uh, I made a comment about it, and she, you know, they didn't, they didn't care for. I see a lot of like, uh, you were making bashing on the Frenchies too, that one time. Well, this podcast has made two positions very clear. We're pro global warming. We're we're very anti French. We're hard on the French. <laughs> we do not care for their fries. We do not <laughs> care for their cuisine, their attitude, their um, their will to fight. They're yeah, they give up. They're they're. Oh, did, did you share with your listeners what you're thinking about a uh, rock bass? Your new take on rock bass fishing? Oh no, I didn't. Do I mean, we have time? I mean, do we have time for that? I mean, I this is just if anybody's still listening to this. I mean, <laughs> good <laughs> luck. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean, you can take me if you can take me down. You know, <laughs> with, with this, I mean, good good on you for sticking around for an hour and four minutes to get the dirt. Yeah. But here's what we're going to do. We're going to start the Indiana Rock Bass Alliance, okay? You're, I, you're, you're IRBA? Hearing, yeah, you're hearing the the cha- the chairman right here. Urba. So this is the Urba chairman. And I'm going to I'm going to rule it like like very Maoist, very like top top down sort of hierarchy, but but uh I'm going to get a bunch of rock bass mounted <laughs> <laughs> and but when people like comment on them, I'm just gonna be like, "Don't worry, it's a duplicate. I didn't take a rock Catch bass. Up. I didn't take one of these precious 18 year old fish out of our waterways." But I don't know. That's just my stupid idea. It's like people would be like, "Oh, like, oh, why'd you get a rock bass mounted?" And I, I would just be like, "Oh, don't worry, it's a, it's a replica. It's not a real fish." And they'd be like, well, "I don't care. <laughs> I, I don't care if you actually mounted a rock bass." I don't know. Yeah, I just thought that'd that's be funny. Good. Hey, it's a lot of money and a lot of time and energy <laughs> to be spent for one. Time and energy. That's, and that, that's something that uh, rock bass don't have. Right. Energy. And, <laughs> well, I mean, and the, the opportunity for that bit to actually like mean anything is so limited. I don't think anybody would ever. Well, freaking, I'll tell you who knows about it. Right. Uh, Reed Morehouse. He told me his sad story. What about it? I don't even. I've never even met Reed Morehouse, but if you're listening, I, I heard you hadn't caught a rock bass this year. Yeah. So don't act like. Don't take this as bragging that we've caught rock bass. This I've year. caught so many rock bass, dude, that I, I don't even appreciate them anymore. Yeah. But anyways, all right. Well, hey, thanks everybody for listening again. Um, you know, I, I'm sure that I think Josh is actually coming over tomorrow to record another, another epi. So. Uh, Anyways, well, thanks, thanks everybody for listening again. Uh, as always, free the fighter, and uh, we'll talk to you next time.